Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here, whether you are on the lawn with us or you are in your car or you're watching us online. It's really good to be together this morning. If you're in your car, give us a honk. We want to know you're here. Okay, now if you're... Uh, good job. Wake up. Um, if you're on the lawn, this might be harder to pick up online, but we want to hear a big yeehaw. Okay, not really that great. Let's try it again. Yeehaw. Yeah, there you go. Okay, not bad. Not bad. And if you're watching online, let us know uh, that you're watching online. Let us know where you are. Let us know who you're watching with. Uh, we just are excited that you are with us today. Hey, you might not have noticed. Maybe you have. I don't know. But happy one-year anniversary to the Porch Community Church. Pretty good. I thought so. This is certainly not how we thought we were going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary. Um, nobody did, so here we are. Um, actually, this Tuesday, the 14th, is the actual date. So uh, be watching later this week and see how we're celebrating all week long on social media. Check our website and just see how we're celebrating what God has been doing uh, through you, the Porch Community Church, in this last year. So we're starting a new series today called Dangerous Prayers, and it's based on a book that Craig Groeschel from Life Church wrote, and it came out in February, and I find it interesting that, um, that this book came out right before the world changed. And he talks about these dangerous prayers in the book, and he offers three different prayers in the book. Uh, to, he says, God, search me, God, break me, and God, send me. And so we're going to start the series today over the next three weeks, and we're going to be talking about some other dangerous prayers. But I highly recommend this book for you to get it and read it. Uh, it's a really great book. It will really challenge you. We're going to look at some other dangerous prayers as we uh, take over the next couple of weeks together. Um, I would, well, here's what I would say by what's a dangerous prayer. Um, it's a prayer that's it's not easy. It's not an easy prayer to pray. It is certainly not safe. I would say at times it's not very comfortable to pray this kind of a prayer. But it's exactly the kind of prayers that we find Jesus' disciples praying. If you read and you look at what they did after Jesus left, after Jesus was he died, he was resurrected, and he ascended to heaven, and they began their earthly ministry that he gave to them to do, these are the kind of prayers that we find them praying. And we are these disciples. And Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. Acts chapter 4, so if you want to turn there and get ready, you can. I want to give you a little context to what we're going to talk about before we look at these two verses in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, disciples, were preaching God's word. They were, they, were te they were teaching on primarily the death and resurrection of Jesus. I mean, they were establishing the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the risen Lord, not just the good teacher, but he had actually risen from the dead, which is what gives power to the whole gospel, right? The resurrected Jesus, that's what gives power to the gospel, not just good arguments or or sound theology but it was the fact that jesus rose from the dead that's where our power comes from as followers of jesus that's why we are resurrected people that's why our sins are forgiven is because jesus rose from the dead and peter and john were preaching this and the religious leaders that were hearing this message 
for whatever reason, they didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe that there was life after death, which is why they discounted Jesus. And so they have a problem with this message that Peter and John are preaching. And the thing is, is it wasn't just a couple of people listening to this message. Thousands of people were hearing this message about the resurrected Christ. And they were following and they were saying yes to Jesus. And so now there was this problem, right? We got the religious leaders who don't believe in a resurrection, who are not very pleased with the fact that all these people are are becoming followers of Jesus. And so they bring Peter and John in and they tell them, hey, listen, you are not allowed to preach on the resurrection anymore. You need to stop. Don't talk about Jesus and, and the fact that he was resurrected from the dead. You cannot do it anymore. If you do it anymore, there's, we're going to throw you in jail. We're gonna, we're, it could be worse than that. We could, you know, we'll find a way to, to, to end you. But, but the threat of jail was upon them. And you know, I, Justin just prayed about the fact that we live in a time and in a place and in a country where we're not bound by these, these things. Right? We don't have someone telling us right now, don't pray. We don't have someone right now telling us, don't talk about the resurrected Jesus. We might have pushback sometimes, let's be honest about that, but nothing compared to what Peter and John were dealing with. And so Peter and John are dealing with this, and, the, and here's the deal. So not only are they a little bit worried about this, but now Peter and John heal a man, right? They heal a man, and, and he, he had been paralyzed for at least 40 years. We don't know if he's 40 years old and was born paralyzed or if he had been whatever but we know for 40 years four decades everybody knew this guy was paralyzed and Peter and John heal him and now he can walk and everybody sees this so now more people are coming and when they ask the man that was healed how why are you healed who who, who healed you and they said I was healed by Peter and John these disciples of Jesus and they healed me in the name of the resurrected Jesus there's a problem there's a problem with the religious leaders. Here we go again. And so what they do is, is they put Peter and John in prison. They imprison them. They put them on trial. And they're like, listen, who, on whose authority are you doing this? And again, they say, we're doing this on the authority of Jesus Christ. He, the resurrected Jesus is, is why we're doing this and in the name of who we're doing this. And so there's this problem. Now, here's what they're telling them. Don't, don't ever preach about Jesus. Stop doing these miracles, however you do them. If you talk about Jesus, it's, we're going to end you. We're going to beat you. We're going to execute you. You're going to be done. Don't talk about Jesus. So what do they do? What do you think Peter and John did? I think you already know this answer. When they could potentially not only be physically beaten and tortured, but they could lose their life, what do they do? Here's what they do. Well, let me first tell you what they didn't do. Because this is where I would find myself. Under the threat of, of being arrested, of torture, of possible death, they did not pray, Oh God, keep us safe from these people who have power and authority to do this to us. Keep me safe. I mean, that's a prayer we pray a lot. Prayed it yesterday with my family as we left the beach, and I had family driving back to Oklahoma. Oh, Lord, keep them safe. Did I mean it? Of course I did. <laughs> but under the threat of, of their life being taken, they didn't pray, Oh, God, would you keep us safe? No, this is what they prayed. This is the dangerous prayer that they prayed. 
In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, they say, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. So they didn't say, show us another way to preach your word because these people don't like it. They didn't say, please keep us safe. They said, give us great boldness in preaching your word. So their prayer, their dangerous prayer was, make me bold. Not just bold for the sake of being bold, but bold in the name of Jesus. Bold for the sake of Christ. Bold for the message, the resurrection that is possible for all. Make me bold. Make me bold that we would have the courage and the faith to obey you. Make us bold so that no matter what the personal cost, God, even though it may be painful, make me bold. And this is what God did. Peter and John pray in the middle of threats against their life to make me bold. And this is how God answers in verse 31 of Acts 4. It says this, After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. So look what happens here. They asked for boldness, and guess what? They received it. Their dangerous prayer, make me bold in, in spite of all these threats against us, and their prayer was answered. God made them bold. Now, if you're thinking, I, I need to be praying this, I want you to know something. When you pray this kind of prayer, God, make me bold, you are going to see opportunities unfold in front of you that you did not see before. You're going to see situations and circumstances and people and, and, and things that, are gonna, that you didn't see before where you're going, okay, are you, do you want to be bold? You asked to be bold. Are you, are you ready to be bold? Because here it is. I mean, the Holy Spirit will be right there. Are you ready? Are you ready? Did you mean it? And that challenges me. When I say, let's, let's pray for God to make us bold, did you mean it? Because, see, I've experienced this. Many of you probably have as well. That there are times when we pray for boldness, and what we find is spiritual opposition. What we find is actually trouble, like Peter and, and John faced. Maybe not threats against our life or threats of imprisonment, but we feel the pushback against wanting to be bold for Christ. We feel it. Many of you have stories of how people pushed back against your boldness for Jesus. But Peter and John, they continued to preach boldly, and they were arrested and they were put in jail. Listen, serving Jesus is certainly not a formula for suddenly your life to be perfect. It's certainly not a formula for suddenly everything to be easy, for things to be safe, for things to just go exactly how you planned them to go. This is a very dangerous prayer. It really is. Make me bold. And boldness will often trigger opposition, spiritual opposition. But here's the best thing. I don't want to scare you off from this fact. Here's the best thing, and I want to tell you a story. You may not see it in the moment when you pray for boldness, and then you actually respond in boldness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let's keep that in our mind. This isn't just boldness for ourselves. This is in the name of Jesus. 
but you never know what God might set into motion through a bold prayer and a bold act of obedience to that prayer. You never know. You never know. Several years ago, I was with a mission team in Philadelphia. And I don't know if you know Philadelphia, if you know Philly, if you know especially the downtown areas, but it's, it's rough. And we were right there in the middle of it. Crime was really high. Um, we were there in the summertime. Kids weren't being looked after. I mean, just the, the normal inner city struggle that you hear about so much, poverty and drugs and, and, and all these things. And so we were doing VBS uh, with kids in the morning, and then we would come back, and it is hot in Philly in the summer. I mean, we think it's hot. It's kind of like this and some. I don't know. So it's hot, all right? And, and so we would do VBS in the morning. We'd come back in the afternoon and cool off and eat lunch. And then we would pray about what we were going to do that evening. It was kind of open, like a clean slate. What are we going to do tonight in the name of Jesus? And so we prayed and we prayed. And as we, you know, we'd been there for a while, we kind of understood the neighborhood and knew what was going on. And as we prayed one night, um, one of the people in our group felt very strongly that we should go out much later in the night and share Jesus with women who worked in the nighttime. Is that a good, you with me? Okay. I know we got kids watching, and you might not be ready for that conversation. So, all right, and this is what we felt, and so we were going to go out much later. And not only were we going to go out much later and share Jesus with them, but what we brought with us was a, a tub, a plastic tub, and some soap, and some washcloths, and, and a chair, and we were going to offer to wash the feet of these ladies working at night. And so we did that. We went out and did this. And as we're doing this and we're talking to these ladies, in the group I was with, we didn't experience anyone tell us no. They all said yes. And then they would say things like, what in the world compelled you to do this? Well, see, we were praying. We're doing this in the name of Jesus because Jesus loves you. And we, and we, want, we want you to know about him. So we're doing this. And as we're doing this, like... Philly cops are like rolling up and slowing down and they see us and they're like um do you guys know it's dangerous out here we were like yeah and they're like you should probably go home we're like yeah but you know we're gonna stay and I mean this happened several times the police would come by and tell us you're not probably really safe and but we stayed and we did this and, and this in and of itself I think is great And you think oh that's a nice nice story but we had no idea what was about to happen because, see, as we're doing this and we're walking down the streets and you know what L's are, the elevated trains, they're like, they're above you and they rattle along and the city streets and we're walking along doing this and one of the people in our group saw this man who was slumped over, smelled of urine and feces and he, he was obviously uh, inebriated in some way. I mean, he just... He looked just malnourished. I mean, he just, he was at his worst. And this, this young woman in our group felt compelled to go and talk to him. And so we were like, okay. And so she did. And so we, we're standing there and we're, we're talking and, and we come alongside her as she tried to understand him. And what we were able to finally understand was that this man was a Vietnam veteran. 
he had a pretty severe stroke, which made his speech very difficult to understand. We just thought he might be so, you know, high or drunk or whatever that we could But he had a stroke, so that was hard to understand. His body was weak. He was an alcoholic. He had no home, and his name was Steve. And it took about an, almost about 45 minutes to get that information from him because it was so difficult. Now, we're talking about praying to be bold, and we're talking about understanding that sometimes you have spiritual opposition to boldness and that you still carry through. Do you mean it when you pray it? And so as we stood and talked to Steve, and this is probably 11.30, 12 at night, this guy comes up who obviously was a regular on the streets, and he was kind of a bully, and, and you, you deduced very quickly that, that what he did to make a living was to beat up the street people and to get whatever they had. If they had begged that day, uh, whatever they were given, if you know, that was, that's what he did. And um, so he comes up, and he sees us talking to them. And I'm telling you, some of you have experienced this before. You've felt the presence of, of evil. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm afraid. I wasn't even afraid, but I felt the presence of evil as this guy walks up. And he looks at each of us, like he makes eye contact with each of us standing there. There's probably six of us. And then he looks down at Steve, who's still, you know, laying on the ground, slumped over on, on, against a wall, and he just starts hurling insults at him with all kinds of language at him and calling him all kinds of names and threatening him and telling him that we cannot help him. I mean, just spewing this. I mean, it was this really intense situation. Now, I had prayed for boldness, as the rest of the group had, and, and I feel this, this power start to well up within me, not my own. And I started praying silently at first against this presence of evil, just, un, just inside my head praying against this. Then I started praying quietly under my breath because this whole time this guy's just spewing hatred at Steve and and, and occasionally would glance at us and then look back at Steve. And then as I did this, I, I locked my eyes on the guy. Like this, this belligerent presence. I just was like, no, I just, I locked my eyes like laser focus. And I just kept praying and I kept praying. And I started praying louder and louder and louder. And as I did so, he kept moving further and further away from me. And then he wouldn't meet my gaze anymore. As I prayed, he would not, he, would, he refused. Like he was trying to put his back between me and Steve as I was praying. And, and I'm praying and, and above the traffic and I'm, I'm praying now above the, the L's rattling by and, and all the other people around us, eyes locked on this man. And I kept praying over and over, the Lord God rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Now, I knew very quickly that I wasn't just, I wasn't talking to the man. There was something more there, a presence that was against God. And so now I'm praying, and everyone can hear me praying, and, and that's not something I do a lot, okay? So, I mean, I pray, by the way, 
just like in this kind of circumstance, this isn't normal. This isn't something I do all the time. So it wasn't like, oh, okay, well, that's what Shannon does. And finally, as I'm praying this, the man turns sharply, and he looks at me, and I'm serious. It was almost like a hiss. I mean, there was spittle coming out, and he says, you shouldn't be here, but you can have him tonight. You can have Steve tonight, is what he said. And then he turns to Steve, and he says, but tomorrow you are mine. He says, you will always be mine. This was intense. And he walks away in a rage. And in that moment, and that statement, what it did, because of prayer boldness, it began a process of research and phone calls and Google searches to find out how in the world we could help this man, Steve, because we were not going to let him belong to that presence. We had prayed for boldness. And the the weakest thing we could have done was to pray for boldness and then walk away. We wanted to find out how to get Steve to medical detox. We wanted to get him help for his physical issues. We knew he was a veteran. We knew there was possibilities there for him. And I'm going to tell you, we were only there for, I was only there for a week. The uh, team was there for longer for the summer. But it took several months. But we had prayed boldly that God would use us that night. And we were not going to let this opportunity go. Even after, long after the mission team left Philly, but with this continued bold obedience to a prayer, Steve got the help he needed. And I remember when I turned, returned back that week, I spent hours and hours a day trying to find the, the, the resources to help him. And others that were still there were doing the same. But, but we got him to detox. He got sober. He got in an assisted living home. He got uh, speech therapy. He got help, physical therapy for the stroke that had him. He gained weight. He reconnected with a family member. And the best part of all is that Steve gave his life to Jesus. We have no idea the series of events that will unfold when we pray, God, make me bold. Steve died a few years ago, but because of these bold prayers, let's go out to wash the feet of women working at night. A young woman's sensitivity to stop and talk to this man. An overpowering compulsion for me to pray against this evil presence and this holy compulsion by several of us to see that Steve was not left on the streets at the hands of those who wanted to harm him. Steve came to know Jesus. Steve came to know a new way of life. Steve, in all intents and purposes, was resurrected. Make me bold. Lord, make me bold. Make me bold. You don't care if you face opposition because you want others to know the freedom and the grace available through God because of Jesus Christ. Make me bold. 
porch community, we don't we don't need, though it's it's always it's good and it's helpful, but none of us here today, online, in your car, on the lawn, none of us here today need an organized church-driven program or ministry to be bold for Jesus. None of us need it. The opportunity is before you and me right now to pray the prayer that Peter and John prayed. Lord, make me bold. Make me bold. You know I like to ask questions, so here's the question for you today. What would happen, what will happen when you pray, make me bold? What will happen? I can't wait to hear the stories. God, make me bold. What will God do in you? What will God do through you? What will God do in our community when we pray what Peter and John prayed, a very dangerous prayer, Lord, make me bold. Let's pray that together. Father, we stand before you today as a group of people, many of which know you. We, we know you. We've called on your name. We know the resurrected life. We know what it was like to be without you. We know the darkness. And now we know the light. Lord God, we, many of us have lacked boldness. Maybe we're afraid, maybe we've gotten lazy, maybe we've got too used to things the way they are, but, but we haven't really been operating in boldness, and yet that's exactly what you want of us. It's exactly what you did through your disciples, and that's us. So God, would you make us bold today? And then would you open our eyes to see the opportunities in front of us? Would you make us hypersensitive to your Holy, Holy Spirit's leading to people, circumstances, events around us? And God, we're not asking for boldness for us, and we're not asking for you to stir up a boldness that's already kind of naturally in some of us. No, no, no. No, no, we need the boldness of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrected life of Jesus to, to stand before and say, God, I need that kind of boldness to make a difference for those around us. God, make me bold. Lord, we thank you that we get to be here and we get to gather and we get to, to, to worship you. God, as we spend these next few moments together in worship, that this would be the prayer of our heart. That we would declare, God, because of you, things are, things are good. You have brought goodness to my life. You, things are, it is well with my soul. Now I want to be bold. I want to be bold. So God, would you work that in all of us? And Lord, as we leave here today, as we you know, close up our iPads and turn off the TV in, in just a little bit. God, would you remind us that, that we're part of a work that's so much bigger than any one of us. And so we do take this moment to say thank you. And we want to support the ministries of the church. We want to continue to, to equip people to be bold for Jesus Christ. So those of you that are on campus today, as you leave, there'll be someone in just a little while when we dismiss you that 
We'll be at the exits, and if you have an offering you want to place in there, you can. Or maybe you just take this moment like like we do in my household with Drew and I that we just remember we've given. We give online, and we've given, and we say thank you, Lord. God, receive our time now and our worship and our prayer. Make me bold because of Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. Amen.